0: Welcome to Foundation, a podcast about home building from the ground up. Buying a house can feel very overwhelming, and building a house can be even more challenging. But we're here to help. Throughout this series, we'll be interviewing realtors, builders, developers, lenders, and anyone else involved in the home building process. After listening to this series, you should have the right tools and knowledge for the next steps needed to build the home that you've always dreamed of. Today, we have with us Tom Buderak. Tom is a former banker in the Missoula area and has been a Ranch Club resident since 2005. Tom is well-versed in lending and is going to help us navigate the lending process. In this episode, we'll cover the different types of loans out there, what a pre-approval process looks like, and what life on the Ranch Club means to Tom. And we're here with Tom Buderak. Tom, uh, what's your affiliation with the Ranch Club?
1: Well, a couple of things. Uh, I'm a retired banker, and uh, the project was started in uh, 2003. Uh, My wife and I sold our home in Linda Vista in 2005 and decided to build. So we found a lot at the Ranch Club and built uh, a new home and moved into it in 2006 and then in 07 uh, while at the bank some folks came in and wanted to acquire the whole project or the remaining project so I helped put the financing together for it so I've been at it a lo- quite a long time.
0: So you were one of the first people one of the first few people to build at the Ranch Club?
1: Uh, yeah I'd say so we uh we were, I think, the townhomes were built, and there's about 30 of those. So, uh, I'm on lot 24, I believe, and uh, um, so we were one of the first. Yeah.
0: So you were still banking when you uh, when you decided to build.
1: Oh yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so, the ranch club is a very special place. Like you drive out there and you instantly know, like, wow, you almost don't feel like you're in Missoula, but you still get that Missoula vibe. Right. Um, what were some of the things that you liked about the Ranch Club compared to Linda Vista or, you know, Target Range or other areas? around Sure.
1: Zola? Well, the the main thing is um, I'm a golfer, for one That's thing. I always kind of wanted to live on a yeah. golf course. And the way my home is situated, I have pretty much an unobstructed view down over the hill uh, to this pastoral setting of some horses grazing and Nobody's ever going to build in front of me. So, uh, And I love the demographic. Uh, uh, my wife and I are grandparents, and uh, our little grandson is nine now. And it seems like the demographic out there is 35-ish to 45-ish with kids and their parents followed them here um
0: so there's a couple fam- there are there multi-generational families that live out there too or uh,
1: not quite so much but it's mostly grandma and grandpa have a home out there and play some golf and enjoy the pool with the grandkids and and uh kids are along there as well so and there's a lot of pride of ownership uh, so just a lovely area and it's nice and quiet
0: yeah i drove out there a few days ago and noticed a lot of people just out walking together you know friends walking together everyone's out in their garden this time of year Um, i couldn't believe how many people uh, take pride in their their gardening out there
1: oh it's uh, it's incredible in that regard and uh, there is a a lot of pride of ownership that shows and uh, um, it's just a great place to live and uh, and it's really quite close in when you think about it
0: so we can dive into the the deep the weeds here, and talk about you know lending, um, what it takes to 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 build at uh, the Ranch Club. Um, you know that is a whole process in itself. Um, what are some of the biggest differences in terms of lending when buying a home, let's say in downtown Missoula, or you know in the neighborhood, compared to building a home at the Ranch Club?
1: Well, I think length of time, obviously, is, is the biggest one. Um, and with the existing home, uh, for the most part, what you see is what you get. Um, but you start a build, building process, and uh, it is lengthy. Mm-hmm. First, got to find a the lot. Then you got to find a plan you like, and a builder who will build it for you, go through all the permitting process, uh, the builder typically does. And along the way, you've got to figure out how to finance it. Um, and there's a number of ways to do that. But it's a much more complicated. It's gratifying because of all the decisions you have to make along the way. Uh, and there are many, many of them.
0: Yeah. And you feel like you're, you almost have to have your hand in every decision? Or do you feel confident ever like leaving some like decisions up to, let's say, the builder? Um, I guess that's all personal preference, really.
1: Some of it's preference, for sure. Um, The builders are are competent, um, and you can feel good about about them and the inspection process uh, from the city and from the lender. Um, But the decisions, I guess I'm referring to, the myriad of personal choice items. Right. Everything from color schemes to picking out cabinets and flooring and plumbing fixtures and electrical fixtures. uh, And you have to shop for all that stuff.
0: Yeah, those tiny minute details that, you know, when you already buy an existing home, you're not really thinking about what types of plugs there are. But when you're building a house, that is within your (laughs) decision-making.
1: Right. You'll have what the builder will give you, a budget. And then he'll suggest a couple of retailers to go and look. At what they have, um, and just for example, if you go to a lighting store, um, you have a budget, but my gosh, there's so many different lighting fixtures. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <coughs> so there are a few different types of homes. Let's say I, you know, find a house that I want to build or a pre-built house already out there. Uh, can you cover the types of loans? The, the different types of loans that are available to people that are interested in buying a home?
1: Sure. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. The existing home is, is the easier one because it takes less time. Um, and there's really two different types of, of loans. 20% down payment conventional loan or less than 20% typically uh, is what we call an insured loan, and they can be insured by a private insurer with as little as five percent down, uh, by the Federal Housing Administration (FHA) three percent down, and uh, by the Veterans Administration zero down. Wow. Zero so, percent
0: down—that's pretty. That's that's a great benefit to VA. Yeah. Um, but you know that just means that they're going to be paying that insurance quite a bit longer right
1: Um, the insurance you do pay quite a bit longer Um, as I recall with a conventional once you get your loan down principal paid down I think you can petition to drop the insurance Oh, okay you cannot with VA or FHA gotcha VA does pay the premium for you Wow Uh, FHA you
0: continue to pay the premium so twenty percent down, let's say a house is five hundred thousand dollars, that's
1: a hundred thousand
0: around a hundred thousand dollars cash you need to show up with. Yes. And that is that's that's a big ask for a lot of families out there. Yep. Um so what if you can only afford, you know, something like ten percent down at that point? Um, that
1: would be an insured loan.
0: That would be an insured Anything loan. Anything
1: less than twenty percent, you're gonna to have to get private mortgage insurance. That's that's but that's available.
0: Yeah. And it sounds like that's a pretty common thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So what is the uh, pre-approval process?
1: Pre-approval uh, is very helpful to everybody involved. Um, what that means is you go and see the lender, first of all. Oh, okay. The realtor probably is going to direct you to see the bank or mortgage lender of your choice.
0: And is this before you even...
1: Before you've even like, looked at anything. Okay. So what it does, it helps narrow the scope for one thing. Uh, the lender is gonna sit down and look at some basic income qualifications. They're not gonna verify uh, many things, but they might uh, look at your credit, um, talk to you in generalities, and then they're gonna help you determine what you can afford. Right, And that helps the realtor too, because if you can only afford a uh, $300,000 home, they don't want to be showing you $700,000 homes. It's a waste of everybody's time, um, so that's what pre-approval is all about, and I think the flip side of that is if you have been pre-approved, whether it's for construction, whether it's for buying a lot, or whether it's for buying an existing home, I think it gives you a little leg up on the competition oh, interesting. Um, who's trying to buy that same property. You walk in and show the seller, here, I got this letter from my bank, and you know, this should be a smooth smooth sailing.
0: So, do you recommend getting pre approved if you want to build your own home?
1: I think that's helpful as well um, because the, the building process, again, is pretty complicated. Yeah. It's rewarding as all get out. You get to put your own signature on things, everything from your landscaping plan. Uh, to the exterior look of the house and all the colors and so forth, um, but pre-approval might help you acquire the lot from the developer. Um, might also help you with the builder, who's going to feel more comfortable uh, knowing that that uh, you're already approved for the loan, and uh, and so on.
0: Now, if let's say you're pre-approved for. and you wanted to, you know, you got to building your home and quickly you're realized that this is going to be far over what you were pre-approved for. Um, where, where is the stop gap? Like where does, you know, if the builder's like, that's going to be too much, or, um, maybe your lender is, you can't afford 1800 square feet. You can only afford 1400 square feet.
1: Right. Um, well, you may have to find a different lot. Uh, Okay. Because many subdivisions have minimum square footage, size requirements, and uh, garage sizes, and so on, that that cost, uh, you know, can't be cut. Yeah. So if you if you are only qualified for a loan of three hundred and you've got a hundred to put in the deal, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Um, But if your home comes in and costs You know, five or six hundred thousand. uh, It doesn't work.
0: Are there ever any any like scenarios where people are you know three quarters of the way completing their house and they run out of money? What what happens then?
1: Uh, That's a problem. (laughs) problem. (laughs) That could be a train wreck. (laughs) Yeah. But hopefully, in the building process, what you're doing is is pre approving the budget, Mm -hmm. and as a lender. Uh, you have an agreement with the builder. There are no change orders oh, unless okay. the lender approves them. And changing anything in a house that you're building costs money. Yeah. You can't just say, well, I don't like that window there. I want to move it over here or I want to upgrade this. Um, it's uncommon for new construction to have minor financial changes um Because it's just natural, you you go through the process, and you're shopping, and you see your budget for whatever, yeah. and uh, you think, "Gosh, I'd sure like to have this." Well, again, that's a change order.
0: yeah
1: uh, If you're going over the budget, or if you're making a change after things have already been built, or even before they've been built, they're still in planning stages. You have to remember that the builder has in mind that set of plans that he's going to follow. And anytime you make a change, not only does here's where the changes happen or where the, the additional costs happen. it's not so much in moving the window, but it throws the schedule off. Uh, okay. So he's got you know everybody from tapers to electricians to framers even and he has to schedule all those guys. And you make a change, and it throws the building schedule off. That's another reason why it's expensive.
0: Do builders have to communicate with the lender then? Or Oh like, yes. yeah, so lenders have a, I guess you want to call it a relationship with the builder throughout the process, or? They uh, should, they should.
1: They should. Okay,
0: yeah, so if there was a, if they did want to change the window, the builder comes to the lender and says, hey, this is going to be more expensive, or? How does that uh, Well, the, the builder,
1: is- documentation-wise, is going to talk it over with the owner of the home. Um, they're going to agree into a change order, which is a change from their contract. And then before that change happens, they have to run it by the lender. So the lender may have to requalify you. Wow. Uh, typically not. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it could come to that if it's a significant change.
0: Well, i so say it's probably pretty good to have a good relationship with your lender <laughs> throughout, I think, the pro- yeah, like throughout the process. I think it
1: is. And most, most lenders love construction lending. I did a lot of it at the bank. And uh, it's a lot of fun. You, As a lender, you get out in the field because you have to be out there every month to make sure the draw requests they're asking for are legitimate in terms of how much you estimate uh, that the uh, contract's been completed.
0: Yeah. Uh, that's an interesting process. Um, so, when it comes down to, you know, beyond the pre approval process, good credit versus bad credit, um, what are the biggest differences that, other than, I guess, you know, loan amount? Yeah. Um, what other things can you expect?
1: Well, I think with a credit score below 720 you're going to pay more for your loan. It's riskier from the lender's perspective uh, and from um, the market's perspective. Yeah. So if your credit's not very good, uh, you're probably going to end up paying a higher rate. You can maybe make some difference by putting more down, but that could be part of the problem in the first place. So in 720, realistically is not a terribly high credit score. You know, if you push the upper 700s, um, that's that's good. Yeah. But 720 and under is just not so good.
0: What if you had a couple that came in and let's say the husband had uh, 700 and the wife had 800? Um, do you recommend them both being on the, uh, the loan or maybe just the one with better credit? Um, What are your recommendations on that?
1: Well, I haven't thought about that one, to tell you the truth. Um, A lot of it depends on how they want to take title to the property. Oh, okay. So if they're going to be in joint tenancy, as an example, which is probably the most common, they're both going to have to be on the loan. Yeah. Um, And, uh, you know, sometimes they may end up, I would have to think, paying the higher rate because of, the spouse's lower credit score.
0: Yeah, unless they just wanted, you know, the wife on the on the title, and then the husband's not on the title.
1: Yeah, but things have changed so much, um, and you know, to think that you might well, I can change it later. Uh, not so easy. Not so easy because what we do in the mortgage business is sell the note. We make the loan, we sell the note to a long-term investor. And that long-term investor comes back from a quality assurance perspective, oftentimes, mm-hmm. and double checks a year or two or three down the road. So if you've attempted to put the property back into joint tenancy or something, they're, they're not gonna allow it.
0: Oh, wow. How comes?
1: Um, because the package of credit that you have sold that investor says this is the deal. Okay. This is the way it is. Yeah. Um, so, so, if, so if,
0: you know, if, if the, he wanted to get on to the title, then they would almost have to, would they have to take out a whole new loan or refinance?
1: Possibly. Um, in any case, what they would definitely have to do is get the holder of that note's permission. Okay. Um, you know, and that's going to be a somewhat lengthy process to do.
0: If, talk a little bit more about the different types of loans. You were mentioning, like, construction loans. What, what are... Some of the more, what are the different types?
1: Well, um, I guess where I'd like to start is uh, first to build, you got to find a lot. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of different ways to do that. Uh, you might have plenty of equity in your existing home, so you could take out a second mortgage on your own home under whatever terms are available, and you can negotiate and sit on the lot while you're going through all this planning process. Um, Lots of banks make uh, loans to acquire the lot. So you might put twenty percent down on the lot purchase and again go through the planning process, put your budgets together and so forth. Um, To a certain degree you've paid some duplicate costs, maybe, Um, but then there is, uh, if you've got all your ducks in a row, um, there is a loan called an all-in-one. Hmm. So you start, and it takes longer because you have to have everything from plans to uh, cost breakdowns um, and really and better credit, perhaps. Um,
0: Great organizational skills, it sounds that like. That too,
1: <laughs> yep, that too. Um, but you're only going to close the loan one time. So you're oh, going to okay. pay one set of fees, essentially. One appraisal, one set of title insurance. Maybe at the end you might have to pay a, a small premium for the title insurance to date it down.
0: How do you get an appraisal if a house doesn't even exist?
1: From plans and specifications. Oh, okay. And that, of course, takes longer. And the builder has to you know, uh, describe in words... Uh, the specifications, as well as the set of plans that you have to get a, approval uh, for the building permit.
0: Okay. Um, if I, you know, it seems like some people buy lots out there and they don't necessarily build right away. Uh, is that a pretty common practice? Or, you know, do people just buy a lot and then wait until they have enough money to build a home? Um, is Which... How comes people I do- think
1: I think there's a little bit of both. Um, you might buy a lot with a home equity loan, for example, uh, mortgage, put a second mortgage on your house and buy a lot, and uh, you know you want to take your time. If you want to do the purchase money loan for the lot, twenty percent down on the lot, the lot's the collateral. Okay. Um, Typically, there has to be a very strong intent to build at some point. That loan is going to have a balloon payment in it five, six years down the road, but you have to convince the lender that you are, in fact, going to build. It's just going to take you a while to get things together.
0: What's a balloon payment?
1: That's going to force you to refinance, to pay off that note.
0: Okay. So that's kind of the bank pushing you to to build quicker or... You know, take out a bigger look.
1: Well, I think the intention, again, is to make sure that you, you're you not buying this lot to speculate on its value. Oh, okay. Okay? Gotcha. You're, you really, truly intend to build. Yeah. Uh, you just haven't put all the pieces together. Maybe you haven't got a plan. Uh, at this point, you don't know any builders. You know, you're a long ways uh, down the process. Do lenders
0: try to avoid... Selling lots that people don't intend to build on.
1: I would say so, yeah. Yeah. Unless they've got existing equity, they they might rather have uh, for collateral the equity in your existing home. Because really, the um, the lot, you know, can change value over time. You hope it doesn't go down in value, but that's subject to the whims of the market. Um, and in tough times, lots are hard to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, lots are a premium just because there aren't very many of them. Yeah. Um, there's only about three places in town you could actually find lots in a subdivision. Yeah. And that's Linda Vista. Canyon River out east of town on the golf course, and then uh, the Ranch Club. And there's really not very many other uh, choices. There's some smaller ones and some older subdivisions that have a few lots left, but. It's interesting
0: how that is, you know, lots like that are so uh, hard to come by in Missoula because you go to, I grew up in Pennsylvania, and I grew up in a subdivision, um, and places like that are You know, there's subdivisions being built left and right. But here in Missoula, they're not necessarily being built left and right. Um,
1: You know, we don't have the population base to support a lot of speculation. And that's the difference. Yeah. Um, It's all about when you go into a subdivision as a developer, it's all about how quickly you can sell the lots off. And you can see an appraisal, and it might say, well, the absorption rate – how quick that subdivision is going to be absorbed into the market is X years. And uh, typically my experience has been it's usually double that or more. So the developers got to be able to hold on through some pretty tough times. Uh, the, You know, things change quickly.
0: Yeah. they. Well, it's interesting with that juxtaposed next to this is a little bit off topic, but the you know, on your way out on Mullen, you see all those uh, townhomes and uh, condominiums being built. Yep. But And those seem to get filled up pretty quickly. Um, and its I, I don't know like what I'm trying to get to here, but it's interesting seeing, like, oh, there's lots of condos being built. And, you know, where they're all they're stacked cheaper. on top. Of, they're much cheaper.
1: Much cheaper. And the available number of people to buy as a whole is much bigger ah so again we get back to the first time home buyer yeah. uh, it's easier to get in one of those you don't have to have as much down um, they're you know they're cheaper to build yeah so therefore they're cheaper to buy yeah because you're building multi units at one time so you have some economies of scale within that process.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to see how cities and towns, you know, try to delicately balance, you know, the amount of those more affordable homes and then, you know, nicer, more large lots um, sure. when they can find the space.
1: Sure, when they can find the space, and that's part of the problem. Um, and a lot of the, uh, you know, townhome condo lots have been a repurposing. Oh, there may okay. have been some kind of commercial there before, mm-hmm. well, it's expensive. Yeah. So you have to increase the density in order to make it pencil out. Um, and that, that all goes into the mix as well.
0: Yeah. I see kind of down towards uh, Stevensville, Florence area, and they do have more space down there. So oh, sure. So you can kind of see there's uh, subdivisions kind of popping up a little bit more here and there, down there, right. more so than Missoula.
1: Right. And you're going to find, you know, maybe cheaper down there. Yeah. But again, you know, everything has a cost. And the cost to live in the Bitterroot is the commute. Yeah. Um, although more and more people are working from home uh, these days. So it's going to be an interesting transition in this market.
0: Yeah. You know, I've watched the market down there for the past couple of years. Um, and, and it's not that much more affordable than Missoula. Um, you know, if, if you want the... Property, the land, the house, you're going to be paying the price for it.
1: That's true. And in in lots of cases down there, they don't have uh, sewer and water, city type services. Right. So the minimums are you have to have at least an acre to have both a well and a septic tank. Oh, wow. Um, So therefore, you know, more land. Um,
0: And then you have to get it developed, it sounds like, then too, or, you know, you have to get that septic tank. You need the electric lines ran to the house, you know, right? And that
1: right, and, that, and that's all part of the planning process too, right. and the approval process.
0: So, kind of jumping off of that, you know, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get as far as the price of a home or the price of a lot or how much you plan on spending. Um, what are some fees associated that can add up? you know, that you may not take in, you know, people may forget about, they may not take into account, you know, they're 400, like, oh, this is a $400,000 pre-built home. Um, It might be a little bit more than that on your-
1: Well, you're you're normally, even on the the home that's already built, you're gonna have a loan origination fee, uh, which is about 1% of the loan amount. There are some no fee loans, but you pay a higher rate.
0: How is that origination fee calculated?
1: One percent of the amount of the loan.
0: Oh, it is. Okay. So if
1: it's a three hundred thousand dollar loan, one percent is three thousand dollars. Okay. Um, Does that
0: fluctuate ever with the market, or is it always just one percent? Uh,
1: it it depends. Um, again, you can get a loan without an origination fee, but instead of paying four percent interest on the mortgage, you might pay four point. Oh, 08 or something.
0: And is that a choice you can make?
1: I think I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. You're always going to have to have an appraisal. Right. You're always going to have to have title insurance. Um, an
0: appraisal, do you get to pick your appraiser? No. Um, the lender picks your appraisal? appraisal and even
1: you? the specific bank lender doesn't pick the appraiser. Uh, oh, how comes? Um, because... Uh, there's been too many abuses uh. in the market over time. I know at our bank, um, on the commercial side at least, I couldn't pick an appraiser. I would have to call my home office and they would send out requests for, for bids oh. uh, to several different area appraisers and they would pick the appraiser. Uh, residential, I'm not sure how that works anymore. But it's probably something similar. They have a centralized order point, and uh,
0: and do you pay the appraiser, you know, a baseline fee or? Uh, yeah, residential
1: appraisal is usually a fixed fee. Okay. Um, and I again, it's been five years since I was in the game, but uh, probably around five hundred bucks. Yeah. be My guess. Yeah. Title insurance is probably a little more than that. Um,
0: so you can expect to spend anywhere well depending on the price of the house between three and five thousand dollars in fees in closing costs and yeah. fees I'd,
1: I'd say that's probably a pretty accurate statement.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you brought up how you know your bank can't even select your appraiser for you uh, because my wife and I are currently um, in the process of refinancing. Uh And we need our house to get appraised at a certain amount in order for us to get uh, the new interest rate. Mm -hmm. And we're fingers crossed that the appraiser appraises it at the required minimum. And we're like, well, maybe we can just, you know, be like, here's a case of beer. Can you you get get us the 200? See, and that's the problem.
1: (laughs) Everybody's supposed to be beyond being approachable in that regard. yeah, And there's been plenty of abuses yeah. uh, over the years.
0: Do lenders prefer to lend to community members over out-of-state people?
1: You mean, well, typically uh, it's going to be cheaper and most cost-effective for an owner-occupied home. So if someone is moving from out of state and intends to occupy the home, they're moving to Missoula. Mm-hmm. Sure, they're going to get financed.
0: Yeah, of no course.
1: problem. Yeah, same process. You know that that you want to build or buy a house at the Ranch Club versus somebody from out of state moving here. We're going to go through the same approval process for both of you. Run credit, verify income and assets, verify the collateral. Okay, the the title to the collateral. So the process is really no different.
0: Which brings me to cash bidding for a house. Um, We often hear about that in Missoula. People come to the table with cash in hand and the house sells for over what it was listed because people want to pay cash. How does that happen?
1: Supply and demand. Yeah you know, and, uh, and it can get out of whack pretty easily.
0: Which throws off the whole housing market then, correct?
1: Well, it does. And what it it forces, uh, happening, you have, uh, a buy, sell agreement on the property and somebody pays more than that for the property outbids, uh, another person that's cash out of, out of the, uh, new buyer's pocket. It's not going to get financed by the lender.
0: All right, so the Ranch Club has a great homeowner's association. Yes. Do those costs get included into your mortgage? No. No. Uh,
1: They're not, unless you buy a townhome out there. um, And let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. The single-family detached home has a homeowner's association. um, And typically all it does is take care of parks, maintain them, Um, Perhaps build them in the first place. Um, You know, remove the snow from the sidewalks. And that's about it. So my uh, homeowners dues at the ranch club, I think, are a little over $300 per year. And that maintains a two and a half acre park. Oh, wow. Um, When you
0: say park... Is that like a playground or is that like...
1: Just green area at this point. And it's up to the homeowners if they want to uh, develop, you know, play area for kids or uh, playground equipment or something like okay. that. They could uh, build that into their budget. Do they, our, does
0: it shovel... Do they plow your driveway or no? No. No. They're going no no to
1: shovel the sidewalk in accordance with the city regs ah. in front of the park. Okay. 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 So they're just like a homeowner in that regard. Gotcha. Now, the townhomes or condos, condo is a different form of ownership, but at the ranch club, they are townhomes. There is a townhome association, but to maintain uh, the homogeneity of the project, you pay dues, which might be a couple hundred a month. That handles everything outside. Oh wow. Of of the town home. Wow. If if the duplex building, the two unit building needs a new roof, really? the condo association pays for it. Even for if the you're the homeowner. Because the homeowner is paying dues and the dues are several hundred a month. Wow. Which seems like a lot. Yeah. But over time in my single family home, I'm going to have to repaint, I'm going to have to re-roof, I may have to change a furnace. I'm certainly going to have to buy a new hot water heater. Um,
0: But so that stuff is like hot water heater and furnace. That's that's inside. inside,
1: So that's the homeowner's responsibility. Okay. But anything outside from paint to landscaping to trimming the bushes to roofing. um, Siding as well. Siding all of those sorts of things are all the same and they're all covered by those monthly dues.
0: Wow. And that's a lot of, you know, depending on what your physical time is worth, um, you know, some of the weekends you're just like, I do not want to get out in the garden. Right. I just don't want to do it. Right. And paying someone to do it for you.
1: Well, that's exactly right.
0: So that's it. So that and those how comes there was a a separation there between individual home like owners not getting that sort of I, I want to call it like a nice royal treatment And then the town homeowners getting that.
1: Well, a lot of individual homeowners out there uh, at the ranch club don't like to mow their lawn either. Yeah. So there's lawn services that will come out and mow your lawn for you. Okay. Uh, And the ranch club has a list of people. Even the ranch club has a number of people that come out and do that sort of thing. And they also maintain the common area parks. Um, So it's, you know, it's just a conscious decision uh, for what people want.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's great to know. Um, are there still? It seems to me as if a lot of those side by side townhomes are pretty much filled up. Um, there n- there aren't like, they're not continuously building those right now.
1: Correct? No, not at this point. I yeah. think uh, the Ranch Club has about a total uh, plan years ago of around 350 lots they're probably two-thirds b- improved lots built out and probably 80% of those lots have houses on them yeah or are under construction so there's only about two phases of lots left to improve to put in roads and sewer and so forth one of those phases and I don't remember which one will have perhaps some more townhome lots oh, okay um, you know, some some attached yeah. type housing. So that's a few years down the road, probably.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. I, you know, I, I thought the, the ranch club was comp- almost completely finished being built out, and I have for years. And then mm-hmm. you go out there and drive through, and you are like, oh my gosh, there is plenty of land still for oh, yeah. there to be yeah, There is probably
1: on. room for another hundred lots, uh, some of them being again, you know, common wall type lots. Uh, so, a little denser, but still some nice single family lots to come.
0: Um, what's back to uh, the lending? Uh, what is one big thing that you notice people get hung up on early on in the lending process?
1: Um, you mean with the process?
0: Yeah, you know, I, you know I mean, people are you know, a little taken back by how much they originally planned on spending or, you know, what you know, they, you know, if people come to you, they're like, I want to buy this $500,000 home, but there's no chance that they're going to get approved for a $500,000 loan. Um, what are just some things that, you know, that in your history as a lender that you've seen people kind of get stuck up on or hit a speed bump or...
1: Well, I think... um some bumps along the way are not paying attention to changes. Oh. Once you've started construction, um, you know you need to not you, you need to be able to have some additional liquidity to pick up some of those things. Yeah, because changes are inevitable. Um, I had been in the construction lending business off and on for close to forty years when we built our home. We had a very reputable contractor. We agreed upon a plan, made lots of changes before we ever broke ground, and I still ended up with numerous changes. I had some pluses and some minuses, so I'm probably better at it than most in that regard, but I really watched the budget. And uh, that's when you can get surprises. You know, you change carpeting, one of some of the things people don't think about uh, are window coverings. Yeah. Uh, landscaping, again, you have a budget, but if you start making changes, adding plants, you know, sprinkling systems, larger beds, and so on, the cost can go up. Yeah. So you need to be aware of that for sure. And I would have to say, that's the the biggest, uh, scariest item. Also, depending on the kind of loan you have, uh, you may or may not have protection against an increase in rates from the time you start construction until you roll to the permanent loan. The only way to get around that is the all-in-one loan we talked about. Mm -hmm. That'll have some upside protection. If today's rate is four, you might have a maximum not to exceed four and a half. If rates go the other way and fall, there's probably a no-fee close at the lowest rate. Um, but that's about the only protection you're going to have.
0: So how do you lock in that? Are you able to lock in that initial rate that you're first um, quoted when, you, when you're uh,
1: In the all-in-one loan, yes. If you're doing two transactions, if you're buying the lot today... And you don't know when you're going to build it. Maybe two, three years down the road, you're probably not going to get a lock on the uh, rate. Okay.
0: That would make sense, I, I guess. You know, it, it'd be nice if the rate went down. Yes, and I'm sure it does sometimes. Yeah. but probably not. But
1: there's, you know, there's alternatives too. Uh, one of the alternatives being, okay, you were planning on a 30-year fixed-rate loan. That's me. I'm very conservative, or 15-year fixed rate and rates move against you, there's still going to be adjustable rate uh, loans out there where it may be a lower fixed rate for three to five years or something like that and then starts to adjust based on an index after that point. Okay. So that might be an alternative to save you. And you can always refinance later too.
0: Yeah. Um... And one last question. You've answered all my questions diligently so far today. Thank you so much. Great. Um, One question we've been asking all of our uh, interviewees is, uh, and it's kind of what I've asked you already about the common mistakes that you see when people are building a house, but uh, what's one question that I haven't asked that you wish potential home buyers or home builders would ask you? As a lender. As a lender.
1: Um. that's a that's a good one you know i think i think just an awareness and sitting down and building the camaraderie because it's a team effort yeah definitely um and the team has to bring the project in on time and on budget so if we're all pulling towards the same end um and understand that going in i think you have a better chance of that happening and you have better rapport Sometimes um, people are so busy you can't schedule that. It'd be nice, nice to have a one meeting around the table with everybody. Yeah. And that doesn't often happen in yeah. reality with the builder, um, the lender, the borrower, and sometimes an architect. Yeah. You know who has drawn the plans? Unless you're just building a plan out of a book or a plan that the builder has built before. We That's what we did. We didn't have an architect. Oh, really? Um, we knew the builder well enough. I'd been in town for 30-plus years, and uh, he showed me some plans, and I went, wow, that's exactly what we had in mind. <laughs> so we were able to use his, his plan rack.
0: Should potential... Should lenders... Well, lendees, I guess I should say. Should lendees be scared of wasting your time and calling you too much as a lender.
1: I don't think so. No? I think we'd rather be informed if there's uh, a problem brewing or or there's questions that we can help. It's a terribly complicated process and uh, everybody's life particularly these days has so much stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's, you know, let's take the stress out of it and let's try to make the process as, as enjoyable as possible and fun, and it's exciting. Yeah. And again, you get to put your own signature on, on things and, and uh, you're going to have that pride at the end of the day. And friends are going to come over for a cocktail and go, wow, this is really cool. You did such a wonderful job. You're who's your builder. He's great. You know, and that's warm and fuzzy.
0: Yeah. That's great to take away from this is, you know, having such a, close relationship with your lender not being afraid to have that relationship because I know when we were going through the home process home buying process we were a little hesitant to call our lender for small things and it's good to know that you know that's not a big that's not a problem for the lender I
1: don't think us. it is at all like I said I think that the lender would prefer even in the existing home loan process would prefer to answer the questions and get things up on the table and have the the uh, borrower truly understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what the end game is, and uh, just just try to take uh, all of those questions out of the mix and all that stress out of the mix for
0: everybody. All right. Well, I think that'll be it, Tom. Uh, Tom Buderek, thank you so much for joining us. Um, My pleasure. Enjoy your time on the golf course and at the ranch club and.
1: With my grandkids around the pool,
0: absolutely, awesome. and a cocktail at the restaurant in the evening. There
1: you go. <laughs> All
0: right, Tom. Have a great day.
1: Thanks, Will.